Hello everyone, it's Elliot here and this is episode 66 of The Stagey Place, the podcast where I get to chat with those who work behind the scenes in theatre. And on this episode, I am joined by Sam Ward and Rianne Davies, who are the company behind Yes, Yes, No, No, who are bringing their Edinburgh Fringe show to the Soho Theatre, We Were Promised Honey. Now, if you recognise the name, We Were Promised Honey, that is because the show was nominated for Best Play at this year's Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I thought this was one of the most innovative productions that I'd seen at this year's Fringe and I really hope that if you are listening to this episode that you are able to catch the production whilst it's at the Soho Theatre from the 22nd of November until the 3rd of December. But let's actually hear from the people who brought the show to Edinburgh and now bringing it to the Soho Theatre. So here is my interview with Sam Ward and Rianne Davies from Yes, yes, no, no. Hello, Sam and Rianne, and welcome to the Stagey Place. How are you both doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm actually having a pretty nice day, actually, so far. Yeah, likewise. Nice day so far. Great. Well, it's all good to hear. I, too, am having a nice day, and I'm very excited because I am going to be talking to you two today about We Were Promised Honey, which I saw in Edinburgh earlier this year at the Fringe. Bushy-eyed, very wide awake at 10am in the morning at Roundabout, coming to see this show, Sam, which you wrote and are mm-hmm. also the performer in, in this one-person production, even though there is some audience participation throughout the show. Sam and Rianne, hello and welcome to the stage of place. So Sam, let's talk about the show then, We Were Promised Honey, which was here at the Edinburgh Fringe earlier this year and is coming to the Soho Theatre later this November from the 22nd until the 3rd of December. Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind writing the piece? Yes, I will. Yes, I wanted to make something about the future and I wanted to make something that was particularly about hope and despair and the relationship between those two things and having hope and despair in the future and everything just kind of flowed out from that really. The show is sort of split into two strands. Well, that's how I see it anyway, with one being this single story of this person called Richard Russell, who was a man who who stole an airplane in 2018. And then these other stories, which are sort of stories of the future of the audience, these kind of fables of and, and kind of projecting a increasingly bleak future world, but human beings continuing to have hope in, in the face of these kind of increasingly bleak landscapes that they're, that they're drawn into. So it was about the kind of desperation of hope. I mean, honestly, the, the inspiration, it really began in the wake of the 2019 general election. I, I did a lot of uh, door knocking and work with the Labour campaign. And so when we lost that, quotations that got sent around, things that came around, it's something I began to think about is having hope in the face of despair. Yeah. And we have for you being a part of Yes, Yes, No, No, along with Sam, what was it about this piece of writing that just felt like had to be produced in today's world? Well, I mean... Partly, I remember getting a very early draft from Sam, the kind of beginnings of the outlines, and immediately it felt very special as a piece of writing. I'd say probably maybe 10% of what was in that first draft, still, but it was very much the kernel of something really exciting and I think important. And particularly over the past couple of years, people have had so many different forms of trauma and there are so many different things that are kind of affecting our chances of happiness and joy and to sort of start seeing something in a piece of writing that allowed that feeling without wallowing in it, but also encouraged, and it sounds really kind of trite to say it, it leaves you feeling hopeful, but there is something about the capacity of having 
a shared experience in a theatrical creative space that was already tangible in those early drafts. Yeah, it's been a really, really exciting one to work on because of that. Yeah, I think that that idea of hopefulness and leaving the theatre hopefulness is definitely something that you can feel after the show at 11am in the morning in Edinburgh, you know, you're going about your day. And I remember when I came to see the show, I think it was probably the third week of the Fringe. I think it was quite a nice day outside. So it did feel very hopeful that we were going out into this world. I think I read online that there's a second edition of the script, which is of a more updated version. So it kind of feels like the story, even though when we're watching it, it feels very fresh. It could constantly be reinvented through like new stuff that happens throughout the day or, you know, throughout the week or the month or whatever. Mm. Sam, do you feel like this, that it's constantly reinventing itself, especially when you're coming to the Soho Theatre? Do you think, especially when you have redacted stuff in the text itself, because obviously, like we say, we don't say too much, but there is obviously some audience participation within the show. Would you say that the script is constantly reinventing itself for today's world? Yes and no. I'd say that uh, you're right in that, that the text has remained pretty fixed since Edinburgh. The, the second edition is updated insofar as text that was published prior to the Edinburgh run is an older draft than what was actually performed at Edinburgh. So the updated second edition is to reflect the text as performed in Edinburgh with some other kind of tinkerings here and there. I mean, you're right, as an audience participatory thing, it does, you know, mould to fit the audience who happened to be in the room at the time and changes in that way. And and I think a success about the show is that because it's not massively specific about the sort of futures that it's imagining, it's quite sort of broad in its scope, you know, imagining different futures, it's not rooted in the specificity of a particular historical circumstance. So I think that means that it has a fluidity for audiences who can continue coming to see it because it's much more about the sensation of living towards disaster than it is about the specifics of any kind of disaster. There's obviously hints of things here and there, you know, you know, one of the stories is, is is about a kind of CEO who, you know, definitely I was drawing on people like Elon Musk and these kind of people who who claim that they can invent their way out of climate crisis. But there's a, there's a non-specificity, which I think gives it a scope beyond a particular historical circumstance. Yeah. And let's just talk about Yes, Yes, No, No is a company which listeners may not maybe have heard of. And we were promised, honey, maybe they're coming to see and want to know a little bit more about the company. Rianne, why don't you tell us a little bit about the previous work of the company and what kind of work is made within Yes, Yes, No, No? Yeah, happily. So Yes, Yes, No, No has been going since 2016, unbelievably, quite a long time now. And we launched with a one-man show that Sam wrote and performed in Edinburgh. And that was called Five Encounters on a site called Craigslist. And you can read more about that on the website. Since then, we've done various other productions. Uh, We did Insert Slogan here, and then The Accident Did Not Take Place also both went to Edinburgh. The key kind of features of the work are that it's ultra live in terms of there is an opportunity when you've got audiences in a space that you don't have when you're watching film or anything like that for them to have direct impact on the show. I think audience participation comes from a history of the kind of setting people up to fail. And it's the thing that Sam's work and Yes, Yes, No, No's work just doesn't do. It's not there to set audience members up to fail. It's there for them to meaningfully take part in the creation of something. And that's, I think, really exciting. And certainly one of the reasons I still want to keep working with Sam is that that respect and joy in celebrating the liveness of the work is really exciting. The other thing I'd say is that lots of the stuff that the shows address whether that's like the connectivity that we face in the digital world like we explored with five encounters or as we've been talking about with honey lots of those things are really big and intangible and slightly scary or daunting to try and articulate or capture 
And yeah. what Sam manages to do is to find really personal roots into some of those bigger, complicated, knotty things and allow us to kind of see them through a kind of personal and then bring our own selves to that as well as audiences. Yeah, I, I think a cool thing about our work looking at it is that there's a sort of restlessness to it and that I actually think, it's, although there are threads, there's, a, there's an excitement with each show that a different thing, a different form is being explored and, and, mm, and, yeah. and played with. Is I don't think we're a company that makes one kind of show and if that kind of show does well, says, okay, cool, we'll just keep doing this. What I know I'm into and I know Rianne into as well is just exploring new things and new forms and, and taking on new things. And that's a sort of running theme throughout our work. Yeah. And was there any audience reactions in the show or after the show with people talking to you that have really stuck with you and made you see why Honey is a very important story to tell? Yeah. You never know how a show is going to be received, really. I think we felt like it was going to be a good show, relatively. You know, I remember in the kind of rehearsal process, we felt like it was going to be a good show. And on my end, it feels like a show I've always wanted to make in that, you know, I am a big sucker for stuff that is really big in scope in terms of time. And I'm a big sucker for kind of multiple storylines put alongside each other. And so I had a really clear sense of like, well, wow, I, I would really like this. But I was honestly genuinely surprised at how many people would just be sobbing at the end in that kind of last, again, so I'm not getting too much away, although it's not really a spoiler show, but, yeah. but in, in the kind of last run, you know where where I'm sort of talking into sort of millions of years into the future that people would be really affected by that and so that was a surprise but it was a nice surprise because it, it was a sense of like oh it's it's nice that other people are feeling the things that I'm feeling this stuff that I wanted to communicate is communicating is like ringing the same bells as it is in me yeah and taking it to Soho is there anything that's changing from this incarnation that's been in Edinburgh. Obviously, we were in the round in Edinburgh. Are you again in the round in Soho? What's it going to feel like? Not in the round. We're in Traverse in Soho, so on two okay. sides. It will be a similar experience. We're going to rehearsals on Friday to just remap some bits into Traverse. It, obviously, the show will be in the evening now, and, and the show was it had slight kind of stylizations to fit into a morning show. So yeah. some bits were kind of specifically written with it being a morning show in mind. So... There'll be some tinkering just to just to sort of fit it into an evening slot. But yeah, those will be the two big differences, I think. And then roundabout what we're doing in Edinburgh is a really specific space in terms of lighting and what you can do with the lighting. And, and so, yeah, we've got meetings booked in with our lighting designer to, 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 to remap the thing into traverse situation. That's what I was going to say. The the roundabout, when I, when I came to see it, obviously I say at 10 a.m. in the morning, the lighting and the sound is just absolutely phenomenal and really suits mm. the piece of the show. Do you guys just want to shout out the rest of the team on Hunt? that you know people will be experiencing throughout the run at Soho yeah absolutely there's sound was done by Carmel Smickersgill he's great and who has an EP that's out lighting design was by David Doyle we had Autry Banerjee come in and do some direction on the show and then we had two dramaturgs work on the show we had Deirdre McLaughlin and Craig Gilbert did dramaturgy on the, on the show yeah it's also worth shouting out with this show we piloted a new thing where we got young dramaturgs involved so for the last three weeks of rehearsal they had some workshops about dramaturgy I saw a share and fed back based on their new bits of learning. They were really brilliant. And actually for a group of young people to have the confidence and kind of passion to give really helpful and insightful feedback was really great. And some of the things that they'd mentioned have ended up in the show. So it's worth giving them a shout out. So to all our young dramaturgs, massively to them as well. 
And was Honey the first time that you tried out that new initiative of getting young dramaturgs involved? Yeah, we've done yeah. various different kind of engagement things alongside work before, but we felt that this was something that we could offer that was a really concrete opportunity that there isn't a lot of stuff for people who are interested in dramaturgy or becoming dramaturg. I think people fall into it in the UK. It's something that yes. they come across rather than it being a career choice. And I actually think that those sorts of skills are useful in lots of different, being able to be a writer's friend are really useful in lots of different bits of the sector and so to kind of give them some of the languages was really nice so we're looking to kind of build on that and grow it over the coming years yeah that's fantastic well guys thank you both so much for coming on to talk about honey i want to move on to advice that you two may have as part of a company of yes yes no no for younger people who maybe want to start out writing or producing or just setting up a company. So Sam or Rianne, what kind of advice would you have for people who want to set up companies or be in the professions that you two are currently in? I think maybe one thing I would say is be bold in what you want to do. Be interesting in that it's at least the kind of work I'm drawn to is work which is taking a bit of a risk in terms of its form. The other big thing I'd say is like is copy other people. That's something I do all the time and something you shouldn't be scared to do. Like if you see a big company that is doing a really cool technique, just steal it and use it. Nothing wrong with that. Obviously, don't like word for word copy other shows. So theft is one of my, some of my advice and uh, being bold. In terms of writing, I, I, I'm a playwright as well and I write plays. And I think the thing about writing is, what I, and I'm going to say something which sounds very glib, and it sort of is glib to a point, but I mean it in a more specific sense, which is just keep going. I think a lot of people who are successful writers, they're largely because they kept going, not yeah. because they are much more talented than anyone else. Um, and I don't just mean keep going day to day. I mean, keep going literally when you start writing on the page and that voice arrives being like, oh, this bit is rubbish. You shouldn't do this. And it's very easy to stop, but you just got to keep writing to the end of the page. And then at least you've got something there that you can look back and be like, well, actually this bit's okay. I can move this line up here or this line down there. So that'd be my big advice. Keep going theft and be bold i think for me it's about talk to everybody send emails lots of us assume that people are out of reach and if you don't send them an email and ask for a coffee offer to buy somebody a coffee take them out for a beer see if somebody's got time to have a chat with you if you don't ask them then they're never gonna have that time they're never gonna make that thing and i was chatting to somebody about this the other day and they said that they'd been having a wobble about their career and they'd written to a couple of critics asking just for some advice about getting into this criticism and they got really beautiful, wonderful, rich responses back. And people aren't out of reach. If you're genuinely going to talk to people, you genuinely have a question or you want to know how people do stuff or if you just want to meet them and pick their brains, ask them. And I think people say that, you know, the industry is about who you know and all of that stuff. And I think you have to build your own network of people that you admire and that you're in touch with and that you have relationships with. Yeah. And that's about just reaching out and saying hello and the worst thing that happens is that your email goes unanswered oh well not the end of the world yeah i completely agree i think some people may think that because people are just too busy at the moment with projects that, that they just won't answer but actually if you just send out that email even though it may not be an instant thing it could be you know a couple of weeks a couple of months or whatever your your email will will get found and and will be answered i definitely wholeheartedly think that especially i think creators outside of london as well might think that if it's just you know london that gets the industry when it really isn't like you know so many cities are being built on arts and culture it's so important to reach out to people who may not be in your community or in your sector if you want to jump sector or part of the industry it's so easy to just reach out well we say easy you've just got to make that step and email so yeah it's an absolute perfect piece of advice Sam and Rianne, thank you both so much for those pieces of advice we're going to move over to the final question now 
of our podcast and it is the title of this podcast and that is the stagey place and what I love to know from you two separately individually is whereabouts your stagey places are so this for example could be how you got into this industry it could be the theatre that you first went to and really inspired you to become a producer or a writer it could be the piece of work Sam that you went I'm going to steal that because I want to make make work based on that type of technology or way that this story is told. It could may not even be a theatre itself. It could just be a place where you think you are the most creative and create the work, whether or not that's as, as a producer or as a writer or as a company itself. So Sam Ward and Rianne Davies, whereabouts are your stagey places? Slightly cornerly, but it is actually true. Mine is, is probably... Well, one of mine is probably the Soho Theatre, insofar as I grew up in Salisbury. And so I, I was very involved in Salisbury Playhouse, a lot of love for Salisbury Playhouse, a lot of love for what happens there. You know, Salisbury, because of various reasons, like lots of other places, gets a particular type of work and a particular type of work comes through Salisbury. So I didn't really see work that wasn't a play until I was 20, 21. And it was going to Soho Theatre. And there's two shows that stick in my mind. One is Tonight I'm Going to Be a New Me by a company called Made in China, who are great. And the other was the second of Kim Noble's trilogy, Kim Noble, You Are Not Alone. And those two shows, Made in China was in the upstairs where Honey is going to be in a few weeks' time and Kim Noble was in the is in the main house. Those two shows just completely blew the doors off what I realised theatre could do and what theatre could be. So that, that would probably be my stagey place. I find it really difficult because I think there's, there's two things for me that I kind of think of. So one is Edinburgh in August is absolutely one of them for me. Like as a young person growing up, there was something about, I went up with Young Pleasants when I was a teenager yeah. and there was something about arriving in a city that was just filled with loads of people who wanted to see theatre and who were making theatre. You know, much of the time I got to go and see stuff that I'd never be able to see normally and, and it was it was really fantastic. For me, the thing that I get most excited, the thing that reminds me why I do this is most theatres and their theatre bar yeah. because there is something in there where you've, you've got some artists who might be there getting ready to do a getting or whatever but the thing the biggest thing for me is you've got the audience and there's energy of anticipation or after the show it's the energy of discussion and it's where the like the kind of liminal thing if you're not outside in the real world but you're not in the play you're in that space where there's kind of endless possibility and that for me is like yeah whenever I walk in it's the same thing as that you hear the opening bars of a musical that same thing it just that bit before the show is for me like yeah this is why I do it yep these moments here surrounded by people who are all invested in the next hour the next two hours whatever it is just yeah that I think that's a really special place yeah I think that I think they're all wonderful answers the Soho Theatre Edinburgh as a whole in August or the theatre bars Sam Ward and Rianne Davies, thank you so much both for coming on to this stage of place. I'm really excited to head back to see Honey in the evening this time at the Soho Theatre in a couple of weeks. I'm just really excited to discover new stories from the people that are chosen or want to, you know, speak out during the performance. Sam and Rianne, thank you both so much for coming on. Thanks thank for having you. us. Thanks very much. And there we go, that was my interview with Sam Ward and Rianne Davies from Yes Yes No No who are bringing their Edinburgh Fringe transfer We Were Promised Honey to the Soho Theatre from the 22nd of November until the 3rd of December 2022. As you heard in that episode, it sounds like an incredible production. I cannot wait to hear what audience say about it, considering that in Edinburgh we were watching it in the morning at 10am and now 
in Soho Theatre in London, people are going to be watching it in the evening, which is going to be a completely different atmosphere. So I'm really excited to hear what audiences have to say when We Were Promised Honey comes to the Soho Theatre. And that's all for today's episode. So my name's been Elliot and you've been listening to The Stagey Place. Until next time, I hope you're keeping safe and you're staying stagey. Goodbye.